All right, everybody. Here you go, Micah. Good to see everybody. Doing good? You look good? Feel good? The fall is here, but we're not in it. <laughs> Come on now. Are you with me? I'm excited today. <laughs> Might make a lot of noise. Yeah, no, we're, uh, we're, we're approaching winter, but we will not be affected by it, right? <laughs> you know, I, I tell you, man, I'm just stirred up about what the Lord is doing. And there's so many good things going on, just so many great things, the unity, the, the gathering together. And I, I want to kind of continue on that thought, kind of bring in a few things. I was remembering, and I was telling Rick, and I want to do this for us to bring all this together so that you can kind of see this the way I'm seeing it. And not only is it very exciting, we, we think back, uh, I was talking with Rick today, we just have a great talk, and thinking back about the unity that he did when, when he set uh, Brian and I in, and Brian and I began to handle and manage the affairs of the entire organization. And, you know, we had to learn to work together. We, weren't, we had two different mindsets. Uh, so we were going through a lot back then. But one thing, Rick, first thing he set out to do was gather us together. Is that true, Keith? gather us in, and one of the things he did was gather the churches together and i'll never forget that because back then he one of the famous things we always remember was that he didn't want anybody separated that you couldn't even fit a piece of rice paper between between us and that became a kind of a signature statement uh, especially among the elders and, and the deacons and so forth. And we began to examine that, and I'm thinking, man, this, this whole gathering's been working here the whole time, hasn't it? And the unity. And so I see that the same spirit has really entered my heart. But then I begin to remember even further back than that. And while I do give Rick a lot of credit, him and I are both pretty clear on who gets the credit. Do you know who that is? <laughs> Jesus Christ is the one that entered into this work and said, here's how you do it. And so it's kind of like, wait, whoa, what? Jesus? I mean, what he entered into. And so I was thinking, I was remembering the dream I had years ago before I ever moved here. And I was uh, talking. I had had several dreams that really shook me up, man. I, I didn't know how to handle them. So after talking with Rick and Jeff a little bit, that's how I got introduced with them a little bit. One night I went to sleep and I woke up in a dream. I was in a dream. And I was in my house, my earthly house, and I heard sirens outside. And so I go running outside the back door. And I'm on my deck, and I look, and I see a house on fire. And then I caught my attention. I think it was to my right side. I looked. I saw something. I caught to the right side, and I immediately went into a vision. And I was in the spirit, in this dream. 
And Jesus was standing there. And he had, when I say this most beautiful image I had ever seen, he was truly celestial in every way. Not only was his face bright and his, his garments were like a royal garment and he stood there, it blew my mind. I'd never seen Jesus before. Matter of fact, I didn't even realize that you could, you could be in the spirit like that. And I had been preaching. Like they say stuff like that in the Bible. And it's like until you see something like that, you don't really put your mind to it sometimes. And back then, I'm standing there looking at Jesus. And immediately, I was captivated by him. And I dropped to my knees to, to repent. Because these other dreams I had in this dream, I had consciousness of my other dreams that were telling me that I'm not what I think I am. Like, you know, I've, I've been preaching for years at that point. This was 25 years ago from today, you know, like this time frame. And back then I had graduated Bible school, got married, traveling, preaching, testifying, building my, my brand, you know, as an evangelist, because that's what you do back, you know, in that mindset. So preaching and different things. When I saw the Lord there and I, I started having dreams of what my heart was really like, God was showing me what my heart really was. Well, when he showed up in this dream and I repented, he put his hand on me and healed me in that dream. And that was the most amazing thing. So I was so captivated by that that I forgot the other part of the dream because the dream changed. And then I'm still in the same, basically the same place and there's like a field there and Jesus appears in the flesh now. He's a man. And I'm standing there with Jesus as a man and he wasn't like all that to look at, honestly. I mean, that's one thing that caught my attention was he wasn't all that. You know, like you, you, they show the paintings and the pictures where it's the awesome and the beards all groomed and the blue eyes. and the, He wasn't that. It was, he was a man that I knew had power with God. And that was the extent of it. It was like everything about him was he had power with God. And then, of course, seeing him before in a celestial form, now looking upon him in the earth, I could look past what his presence looked like and realize this, this man of God was Jesus Christ. And there was a woman standing out in the, the field right beyond us. And she had children, little children. Some were small, some were a little bigger. And they were, run, she could not control those kids. They were running around and she couldn't handle them. They were rebellious. They were just vile and so to speak, you know, and just, you know, doing their thing. And they were not going to listen to her. Jesus walks over. He's teaching me something here. He walks over to this mother, comforts her, and then goes and gathers all of her children and brings them back to her and comforts them as a family. And I realized, 
Now, spiritually speaking, okay, everybody thinks spiritual here. He was their father. And she was their mother. Now, don't take that in the flesh, because I do not believe that. You know, Jesus had children in the flesh and all that stuff, okay? Spiritually speaking, what are we teaching now? And I think about this, and I go, this was 25 years ago, and the Lord put it in my heart to gather and to do the work of God. Who do you think put it in Rick's heart before mine? And the same spirit. And who do you think puts it in the other elders' hearts? Who do you think is going to put it in your heart to continue to gather and gather the, the body of Christ? Because one thing that I have learned over this 25 years is that when you start off and you're taught like I was, we were taught how to be a preacher, but it wasn't taught to gather for the kingdom of God. This is true. We're taught to build a name so that people will follow you. And so I, to learn that and to go through Bible school and to be so arrogant and full of pride and to want to build your own status. I mean, look at the world. Isn't that what the world is about? And so it's, it's like Jesus wasn't about building a status just to be exalted in the flesh. He was building a kingdom where he shared everything with everybody. That's awesome, Micah. And I go, wow, that's exactly... When you meet Jesus, that's exactly what he puts in your heart. It's not about being selfish anymore. It's about the kingdom and growing and building the kingdom. So it's about if I have eternal life, I want you to have eternal life. That's Jesus Christ. That's, what, that's how God thinks. And so the, you come into the church world and we bring our insecurities and our doubts and everything in with us. And then we hear the gospel in that way. And what do we try to do? We try to be greater than the next person to us. Why? And it's so silly when you really pull everything away. You you pull, uh, pull the curtain back and you go, look at all of us. Rick said something in a conference because... I just listened to it from years ago. And he was joking with Gary. And he said, I'm better looking than Gary. And, and then, but then he's laughing because him and Gary, that's how they joke, right? And then one minute, Gary's better looking. And one minute, you know, Tim's better looking. And, you know, it, it's just all, it's us all joking around. But Rick made a st- statement and basically said, at, at the end of the day, we're just all lumps of flesh. And, and then he made the statement that uh, Tim McHenry was the, the best looking. And Tim goes, actually, I'm just the taller lump. <laughs> it's, it's just funny. Pull back the curtain and look at all of us. Who's better than who? Really? You know what the thing that's going to hold us all together in the kingdom of God? Jesus Christ. That's what's going to do it. So you, you, could, you could glory in your looks, you could glory in your skills, you could glory in all your abilities, 
But you know what? It, it won't matter. Because I've heard people that can't hardly preach too well. And yet, if they know God, everybody wants to join with them. Because they know God. And then you take a person that's very skilled but don't know God. Uh, you'll join yourself to them at first, but then you'll start realizing, there's no feeling here. There's no love here. There's no, there's no spirit here. It, you'll know it. What matters between us? Jesus Christ. And I'm saying, the reason why I say that is because I'm amazed at how Jesus, even 25 years ago in my life, he was working on this moment in me. This moment, making me ready to preach this gospel at this time. And I know we're in a season. We won't always be in this season, but we will never forget the gathering together. This will be so in our hearts to gather together into the kingdom, we'll never forget it. And our whole lives will be about witnessing and giving of the things of God that we've possessed. And I, I'm grateful for that. I'm so grateful. And I want to share something with you. I, I'm going to try to get to the scripture, Destiny, and uh, so we can read something. I think it's, it's valuable that we do. But I want to share something. I want to revisit a mindset that has been brought up in our preaching for years and years. I preached something in 2005. Actually, it was titled in a conference called Discerning the Body. But in that teaching, there is a segment that I got into that I called having peace in the carnal mind. And I, how many remember that? We, we've talked about that off and on. Everybody's talked about it. Well, I, let me just share it from my perception so you don't have to go back and listen to it. Because we're in a different time right now. And I listened to it. I found it. I listened to it. And you know what? I could hear the hurt that was in me. I could feel the hurt that was in me. I, I, it took me right back to what I was in and where I was at and why I was preaching what I was preaching. And this part was, I started out by saying I was on the way to church one day with my wife, Naomi. And I asked Naomi a question. It was interesting. I want everybody to listen to this because this is going to go back to, to everything that I said back in that conference in 2005. And I said, what do you think, or how do you think God looks at you? I asked her that. You know what she said? You probably don't even remember. She said, I think he would be disappointed. That's amazing. But you know what the situation we were in? We were so into knowledge and wisdom and interpretation and trying to define everything that we were judging one against the other. We were, man, it was build my kingdom. I got to be greater than everybody else. Anybody that struggled with that, guaranteed at that time, had a thought that I was disappointing God. And when I heard that, that blew my mind. It did something in me. Woke something up in me. And I sought the Lord and sought the Lord and sought the Lord. And I told her in that conversation, I said, let me ask you a question. At that 2005, how long had we been married? 
11 years at that time. 11 years. We were, we were making it, but it was, it was rough. Moving up here and changing your lifestyle, leaving everything you did and all that stuff. It, it, was, it was a challenge. And then trying to learn the gospel under, bear with me, under someone that was personally oppressing the Spirit of God. And in that time, I said, well, let me, let me ask you, you think you're disappointing God, right? I said, since we've been married, you've done everything in your life to serve God. Is that true? She said, yes. I, I could talk to you right now, right? You've done, you've, you've went to church faithfully. Is that true? You, every time you could give offerings or giving to the church to help support the work of God, you did it. Is that true? Every time that God asked us to move, did you do it faithfully? You did. And I start looking and say, so when God called me to preach the gospel and you have to stay home when I can't be home and raise those kids because I'm out running around with Rick half the night trying to learn about God and you're home with the screaming kids sacrificing so that the word of God could come forth in me. And you're disappointing God. That's, listen to me now. Because I'm thinking back, I'm almost emotional about it. I'm thinking back about this and I'm like, how do we get this way? What drags us to the pit and makes us think that we're disappointing God when we're doing everything in our power to serve God? Wrong perceptions, huh? Lies. From that time on, I got up, I got up and, and I was coming out of a place where there was so much expectation on us as a church to be something and to do something and to declare something and, and like, I got to see this in the Spirit and if I don't, I'm not saved and if I, if I don't understand this, then... Well, I'm down here on the lower part and somebody else is up high. And we were dealing with all that. And I, I was facing that head on, man. And that's when the Lord started talking to me. And boy, when he started talking to me, he started showing me, no, none of that's true. I am the one that provides all your needs, every one of them. All this knowledge you have, I don't want any of it. I, I mean, this is stuff I've been preaching in myself for a long time. And I began to preach that when God showed up to me, I understood that I was in the carnal mind. He said, no. And, and back then, if you were in the carnal mind, you were basically over here with the goats. <laughs> right? The sheep's on the right. And if you're with the goats, you're missing out, Jack. Well, guess what? A lot of times I was spending, you know, I was hanging out with the goats and I was hanging out with the sheep. I was back and forth. I was like, what do, I didn't know up from down. All I knew was stay close to Rick 
That's what I knew. And I did. And let him minister to me. But at the point I started preaching, I started preaching, I was, I was just the, the hurt of being abused, like in myself, by a lie. I remember, I'll never forget it. And so when, when the Lord began to come and teach me how to have peace, even though sin was still present. That was one of the great, at that time, that was one of the greatest revelations. Sanctify the Lord came after that. But I needed to have peace. Because the carnal mind was present and I didn't know what to do about it. That means death was present. That means sin is present. That means failure is present. That means I'm in trouble is present. And, I, and when you don't know what to do about it, there's only one thing left to do. What is it? It's look to Jesus and say, Jesus is the one that I've got to look to because if I just keep my eyes on him, he's going to convert me and change me. So as I did that, he began to create this peace in me. Not frustration, not failure, not sin, not wickedness, all of that. I began to realize, oh, I'm carnal. I've been carnal for the last two days. This is kind of what I would be thinking like, man, I've been in death for the last two days. Okay, that's cool. All right, I got this. And you look to the Lord. That's the way I began to manage my life with God was to say, I get it. I'm weak. I'm frail. I don't understand everything, but I have Jesus. I have Jesus. And he's guiding me and teaching me. And that's how I began to have peace. And frustration began to leave me. Not all of it. I'm just saying I I had to grow up in that. But the point was, I learned that, that Jesus didn't expect me like the interpretation of scripture, like I thought was that the, the scripture was forcing me to be perfect overnight. And I couldn't do it. And the Lord showed me, I didn't ask you to. Your perception that you thought you had to be was what's creating this problem. I can't even blame preachers. I have the perception I heard it the way I wanted to hear it. Who, what, can you blame a preacher for where you are? Or do you have to own up to your own perception and realize, I got to hear from God. And so when you do, you begin to trust the Lord and you follow him. And what's his purpose? To gather us all back to him. So imagine that. And I preached that. That's why I preached that. And it was, it was kind of like my coming out of, I'm tired of being in bondage. I'm going to follow the Lord now. And that's that what, what was in my heart the whole time. And that's why I preached it. And I get, I get to today and I look back and I go, okay. There are things that are very similar to 2005. There are things. Number one, you have to, per, you cannot take the word into your own perception. If you do, you will annihilate the word of God. 
first and foremost. So I'm going after how we hear the Word of God and we bring it into ourselves, and we hear it the way we want to hear it and then we form it. See, when, when, back when I preached peace in the carnal mind, I came to a realization that I was hearing the Word in the light of my guilt and my condemnation. The minute I realized that I need to hear it the way Jesus is saying it to me, it began to heal me. It's different. And it's like this. Brad lives in a cardboard box. Okay? Let's, for, let's just say Brad lives in a cardboard box. And he lives in there and he, he closes up the little doors and it's dark. And he's got about this much space, but he's got him a little pillow and a, a bed and he's laying in there and that's his home. That's his perception. Let's say Micah lives in a house and got plenty of room or whatever and he's, he's living over there and I tell both of them, hey, I, I want to buy some pizza and let's hang out. Brad hears it like, oh, we're all coming into my little box and we're going to hang out and eat pizza. We're going to sit, you know, like this and, and, and we're, and we're going to have fun. We're going to and he, he's envisioning it. We're setting the pizza in the middle and Micah and, and me and Brad, we're, we're all sitting around the pizza and we're laughing and it's dark in this little box. And he's like, we can't stand up. It's a box. And he, in his mind, he's perceiving how good that pizza will be in that box. Micah, on the other hand, he's thinking... Oh, we're going over to his house. We're going to sit on the couch or around the table. And maybe we even turn on the TV and watch a football game or, or something. He's got all this perception. And, and what they missed was I wasn't going to any of their houses. I wanted them to come to my house. That's how the Lord teaches us. And that's how we perceive it a lot of the times. We bring his invitation into our place of living and we hear it the way we want to hear it and that separates the body. Isn't that interesting? Here's my point. Is it possible that we're hearing the way we want to hear and that hinders us from getting into the Spirit? Is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? He's only divided if we hear who we want to hear and what we want to hear when we want to hear it. And then he's divided. Man, this is, this is some teaching that'll take you into eternity if you'll listen to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, nope, chapter 1. Let's start in verse 10. Oh, I read this last week. Verse 10. You got it? Don's not here to wave at me. Thank you, Beth. Paul is telling this church at Corinth, Now I beseech you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you are perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, how many remember I taught on that whole thing last week? 
So we got that part, right? That's the joining. We're not robotic. We're just coming into the unity of the mindset of Christ. Do you remember that I talked about the diversities? Each one of you will have a diversity, but it's, and, and that's what is so glorious, but it's all concerning the same mindset of Jesus Christ. That's awesome. But verse 11, let's read on. For it has been declared unto me of you, my brothers, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now I say that every one of you says I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, which is Peter, and I of Christ. So it's like one person saying I'm of Paul, the next person says I'm of Apollos, another person says I'm of Peter. That'd be like, well, I'm of Rick, I'm of Dan, I'm of Brian, I'm of PK, I'm of Keith, and I like Dave's preaching, and, or I'm of Rick. And is that what he's saying here? Interesting, isn't it? Verse 13, here's the key. Everybody say that first question for me. Is Christ divided? Is he? Now, Paul is saying, is Christ divided? Ha, I love it. Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Question for you. Was I crucified for you? Was Daniel Ellis crucified for you? Was Rick crucified for you? Or was the Lord Jesus crucified for you? Yes, he was. So while you may like a certain style of an individual, and I get all of that, the word is the word is the word is the word, and Christ will not be divided when we all join together in his word. And some of the things I have mentioned to you today is this. Why would I bring up about Jesus, my dream about Jesus, gathering us together, well, there's the prophecy of it. Why would I bring up Rick's gathering of the churches and us being so close we can't be separated? Because that's all part of the prophecy of the gathering. Why would I bring up when I taught about peace in the carnal mind? Because I'm showing you that that was my understanding of when God was showing me the things that separate us from togetherness is when we think we can't please God, we're separated. When we think we're not doing enough, we're separated. But here, don't take this lightly and use it as an excuse. But at least walk in the grace of God so that you could please God by faith and not by your just your works in the earth. You know what I love? What have I told you? All of you may not be a Paul, Peter, John, Apollos. You may not work in that status. But you will be what God called you to be. And that's part of the body that we need. And this is what I say. How many of you have 
remember or have listened to Christy Heron online teach. Yeah, I mean, I've told her several times, keep it simple, man. You're doing great. We need that in the body. And we go, well, she's teaching me something she taught her Sunday school. I'm, I'm well above that. We need her in the body. And when she continues to grow and grow and grow and understand other things, you think somebody else is going to come up and teach it? We need them in the body. And so it's not like everybody has to be on the same status of understanding. Be where you are and let God join us together because we need every part. And this is why, have you ever been sitting, I know you have, and you've said, well, I know this has been preached, but when Micah said it, I got it. Micah? He's a deacon. How could you get it when Micah said it, when all the elders have preached it? And It don't make reason to mind. But that's how God works. See, at any given moment, the Spirit of God can touch you. It wouldn't matter who's preaching it. When the Spirit of God touches you, Jesus Christ has now made you alive. And I'm saying, images, people, wow. It, it's not, the people are not the ones that's going to get you into the kingdom. It's your connection with the Spirit of Christ that's going to get you there. So what is my purpose? What, what is everything I'm doing here in this timing is to continue to gather and gather and gather. And I've watched God do it. Man, you couldn't uh, a year ago, two years ago, if you'd have asked people to get up and cross the room to hug somebody's neck, they'd have been like, okay. They're like, huh, I don't even talk to them in a long time. I, I ain't walking across the room to hug their neck. Man, I can't even keep you guys from hugging each other's necks now. Praise God. See, that's an earthly part, but notice how the consciousness is affected. You know why? Those are little things that are, are uh, what do you call them? Effects of God making things alive in you. Now, what I'm really after when all of that's said and done is bringing all of you into the spirit of the kingdom and letting you sit before the throne of God and experience that. Isn't that awesome? So will we continue? Or are we just going to stop short? So everything we introduce, everything, you think it serves a purpose? It does. Everything we introduce in this church to you is going to serve a purpose. And you know what it's going to do? It's going to be for the gathering of the body. It's going to be to unify. This is some great times. And it's not going to stop here. How many of you are getting older? We're going to do everything we can while we have the time to serve the purpose of God, and that is to continue to gather and join and that means as we go forward, I'm excited about 
the faithfulness and the testimonies. There's going to come a day when you're more concerned not about trying to fix somebody, but you're more concerned about giving them life. You say, what's the difference? The difference is a Pharisee puts rules and, and things on a person to try to fix them and make them the way they want them. The other, Jesus comes along and he gives the word of truth by faith and gives them life. And they live in the spirit. Does that make sense in the difference I just made there? Well, if you listen to everything I've been talking about, loving God and you know, God's after love and faith rather than sacrifices and rules, it all makes sense. But here we're going to enter a place where the testimony of the Lord will be just, it's, it's just overflowing because the life is there. Not because you can quote a scripture. Not because you have studied the Bible and you know so much. It's not because you know so much. It's because you know God. And you know the Spirit. And that's what I'm after. Is to gather us together and say, hey, do you know the Lord for yourself? And the answer is going to be yes. And the only way, we've said this many times, there's only one way that you're going to ever have to leave this church. It's not going to be because we push you out. It's going to be because you chose to leave. Otherwise, you're invited. And here you are. And so we're going to do this together. And that's where we started and that's where we will finish. And that's awesome, isn't it? Well, let's stand up then. So, do you love the Lord? Well, awesome. Well, clap your hands to the Lord and let's go and... <laughs>